It's part two. Welcome to Thunder Noodle. No. No. Welcome to Thunder <laughs> Noodle. Woogly woogly. Woogly woo. I messed that up one time before and now every time I hear myself almost mess it up, it gives me straight panic because I'm like, Ugh. not again, bitch. <laughs> Your guys' intros honestly give me laugh. Really? They're the best. Oh, and welcome like, back. Thank you. You're still here? I know. <laughs> Long time no see. You can't get rid of me. <laughs> no. We say it like we went anywhere. We didn't go nowhere. No, we're still no. here. We just went outside this smoke. Yeah. But we are, the butts are back in the seats. We are back. Okay. So, kicking off where we left off, where we last sat down. I don't know what the fuck I'm saying. Begin. Just getting back into the mm. questions. Okay, so after all of this that we spoke about, mm. my next question okay. is, what the actual fuck does serving concurrently mean? Because from what I know, it enrages me. <laughs> so this is, uh, this is a question that... Because I know, I know, I've also been enraged by it. I already know the answer is going to make me mad. No, but this is like the way our lawyer friend Mm. described it to Mm. me made me not be so enraged. So I don't, like, we'll see. So basically, when somebody has been convicted of more than one charge, the magistrate or judge will order that the sentence on count one, two, and three run concurrently. So this means they run at the same time. Mm. You will then serve the maximum sentence. The beauty of it is that you cannot be considered for parole while the lesser sentences are being carried out. It's often a way to get around a person being released on parole too soon. Okay. So, yeah, like say for instance, you are charged with, Murder, robbery, theft, and assault. And you get 25 for the murder. You get 10 for the robbery. You get 15 for the assault. You, whatever your charges are, your highest, lower charge, your second highest charge is, say, 15 years. You can only be eligible for parole after 15 years. You cannot go before that. So when you serve something concurrently... You have to at least serve, say, two of the three full terms. Yeah, you, well, until you're less, you yeah. have to, only wow. when you are in that space where your only charge oh. that's left, your only sentence yeah. that's left is the highest sentence. I check. Then you can be considered for parole. Okay, but now I'm going to throw you a, a little... Mm-mm. A spanner in the works. So say you get your 25 years for murder. Mm-hmm. Arguments like hypothetically, yeah. If you have one murder charge, you can apply for parole, say after fifteen years. Mm. Argumentatively, now mm. I don't know if that is the case. Anyway, but you now also have the fifteen years for whatever you did, and you can apply for parole, say after seven years, and then you have the ten years, and you can apply for parole for that sentence, say argumentatively after four years. Mm. Why? Do they serve it concurrently at the same time? Why do they not give you your 50 years and accumulate and count up your minimum serving time for parole on each sentence, which is then argumentatively then 
the 15 plus the 7 plus the 3, which is 25 years. Because that equals more time than it would serving concurrently. So it defeats the purpose completely of getting out on parole too soon anyway. Because you're getting out on parole sooner than you would if you would be serving Mm. the sentences. Like finish your one sentence and then your next one and then your next one. But if your minimum time to then get out on parole is done with the first sentence, then you go over to the next one. So, you see, so that doesn't, it makes no sense mm, to me. So yes, there might be beauty in that, but. So I'm going to, I want to actually ask him about that, but for my, so my little legal brain sitting here is going, that sounds slightly, first of all, unconstitutional in that sense of it's almost creating unnecessary serving time if that makes sense we have to also think and this is something that you said to me that stuck with me because I mean obviously you hear someone did something horrific and you think you know let them burn but you have to also think of them as citizens that are deserving of a fair trial yes they did something horrific and they probably do deserve to burn but what are their constitutional rights so but isn't that applied to the sentence that they were given anyway but this is also where it might get a bit iffy is that i just firstly i don't think we actually even do that um but like i said i will go back because i want to ask him about this because i'm not even 100 percent sure but my opinion is that it doesn't sound just administrative and I mean, we don't have the space in prisons for that kind of thing either. So that would also bring to mind that the concurrently means that, yes, you're lengthening the time before you can apply for parole, but you're also not clogging up the prison systems for, say, 75 years. Because if you get charged, if your highest charge is, say, 25 years, you will only be in prison for 25 years. But if you are then serving others on top of that, and you're in total getting, say, 75 years, that's a lot. Is it relevant to the crime? If that makes sense. Like, So, ooh, I'm going to upset some people now. But let me ask them, because I, okay, I want cause to... In my, okay, this is just my brain. That is going into debate mode because <laughs> your whole vibes changed. <laughs> no, it gets very serious very quickly. Um, <laughs> as a third party listening to this, I think it's my other personality coming out. <laughs> listening to this separately, right? Mm. Knowing that I don't have all of the, I'm just doing all the apologies right now for what's about to come out of my mouth. Okay, I'm scared. Let's it <laughs> on fucking Varushka. Okay, Varushka's Varushka. <laughs> multi ego that comes out when I drink vodka. That's great. And she, she makes very bad choices. So here she goes. Okay. Why am I scared? <laughs> so if you consider it unconstitutional for mm. this person to be serving the time given to him fairly by the court, he was fairly charged with his murder. He was fairly charged with his assault, he was fairly charged with his robbery. All of that is done according to the Constitution, according to the law. 
but now you want to have them run concurrently and you say that it is unconstitutional to leave him in there for that long, but he has deserved fairly Mm. each of those sentences because he went through trial for each of those sentences. And if it wasn't fair or unconstitutional, unconstitutional, he wouldn't have received those sentences. So why are we running them concurrently and then were they tried separately or together together see this is the thing if you are tried together then that's why i say it's ringing a bell of unconstitutionality but that makes no sense how can it be unconstitutional if you are given the sentence fairly constitutionally so you give this person 25 years for this crime you give him 10 years for that crime Uh you give him that but you are acting as if he only did one of them in each scenario because you are only letting him serve for the worst one technically so the other ones basically do not matter but then you say it is unconstitutional to keep him in jail for that long which according to the courts he does deserve Mm. because that is what he was fairly charged and sentenced with but then you come back and say we cannot clog up the jails so is the problem unconstitutional or is the problem the lack of jails available for the amount of criminals we have? So we are letting criminals go free quicker, faster, giving them less time to serve just because we do not have the holding space for them? Well, that's a whole nother can of worms. But like I said... I- it's ringing a bell. I'm not 100% sure exactly where I would say the unconstitutionality comes in. It's just that slight ding of, I'm not sure why, but it feels that way. So I will get the facts for us and, and bring the icing and the, the sprinkles. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Because I'm scared now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that came out so bad right now. Like uh, I said, blame I it on like we needed a PVC screen in between us. Yes, yeah. yes, I can get quite riled up mm, about that. It's, but it's, it makes sense. Like, it's this is why I say like there's things your mindset starts to change when you actually start to study the law, where you learn yeah. about what our constitutional rights are, what the law, what the the common law is, what the case rulings have been, what's happened to others, yeah. and I look at it from that perspective of say for instance let's let's use oscar again you know if he there's so many things that could have happened when when they were deciding a sentence for everything that could initially it did got him a lesser sentence and because the mpa appealed he got given more time but i look at like there's just so many things that could mess up that could lead to maybe them getting appeal earlier or, you know, whereas if you serve concurrently, then you know that person is gone for that maximum amount of time and only then they can apply for parole. Doesn't mean they'll get it. They can apply for it though. So my brain works in that aspect of at least they're locked up officially for that length of time and they're not going to get say say they mm-hmm. go your sentences together turn out to be 75 years you served your murder sentence was 25 years 
you've got a whole total of 75, but you serve 25. And you just take a chance and you apply for parole. If there's overcrowding, if there's this, if there's that, if there's that, you're getting out. Most likely. If you're showing remorse on top of that. So that's the, I look at those little things of what is the what ifs, the what could happen. Those might never happen. All, yes, Varushka again. All I'm hearing yeah. is let's do it this way because there might be some minor inconveniences if we have to take this further and something might mess it up because our system isn't in place to actually handle this the correct way. So let's just do this to avoid any inconvenience because it's just easier. It's just easier. I don't think... Which I don't... Yeah. Anything like... I remember when uh, a lawyer friend told me about when he had to hand down his first murder sentence or his first life sentence. And he told me about the stress he went through and... You know, the he was, you, am I making, like he toyed with it for weeks. Am I making the right decision? Does the evidence all point to that this person is guilty? Is it warranted a life sentence? Like, it wasn't just something he decided on the spot and decided, okay, cool, this is the deal. So I look at that and I go, yes, our system is not perfect. It is overall, our government, our whatever is broken. It's not functioning how it should be. But there are certain things that have been put in place or that magistrates and judicial officers do to try their best to make it function better, you know, or to function as much as what it can. It sounds like my husband putting some silicone on the pipe that's leaking because we'll fix it for now. But the pipe might burst and the house might flood because that little plaster isn't mm. fixing the problem no for sure it's just fixing the moment guys is scary <laughs> <laughs> i feel like I, I need to like be walked out of here with someone like, i'm sorry <laughs> it's okay <laughs> they did tell me i should join the debate team in school but yeah. i was too much of an introvert no i would not have argued with you i would have been like yeah she's right I don't have anything more to say. And it doesn't help that I have mm. resting bitch face that is just no, staring you down. It's your eyes. I know. It's not even the resting bitch face because, I mean, God. And I don't have tiny eyes. My, hub- eyes, my, hub- my, my hub- hubby keeps telling me that I mm. have large googly eyes that peer into his soul. I know. It's, it's, I've got the looks as well. But when like you are the one giving the looks, when you're used to giving them and now you're on the receiving end, it's Excuse like... Me? Okay. I'm training you for one day when you're exactly. lawyering. When you stand up there and you're being a boss ass bitch, you can say, Oh, it's because I had this weird little debate <laughs> with S in this tiny little studio that they constructed in a podcast we did 10 years ago. <laughs> and she was staring me down with her sparkly blue eyes. You will be mentioned in my memoirs. Yes. <laughs> I'm really sorry if I made you uncomfortable. No, I'm no, so sorry. No. It's really it's a side no. that comes out that I cannot help. You know what the thing is? I don't like with certain things, I like talking about fact. And I yeah. know you're wanting fact from me. Yes. But I'm not sure. Uh, so that's oh, so why I'm I making say, you like, feel even more uncomfortable. I'm not, that's why I said I'm going to speak to him because I don't actually really know so why I should they, have this conversation with him. Oh, please don't. 
you, you, your stairs won't work. <laughs> but that's fine. Because I can, you know what I do? Mm. I'm an idiot. So I bring you down to my level and I beat you with experience. <laughs> I was like gripping on every word you said there. Like, <laughs> what truth is she going to hit me with? And that, that's basically what it is. That's why they say don't argue with an idiot because they that that is but what I do. That's why I'm like, okay, you're right. It's <laughs> that, is, that is what Varushka does. It's just no. loves everybody and wants to give people cookies and hugs. And then we're down, down boy. Varushka comes up next thing. Then there's thunder. Yeah, she does. She she does mm. bring the thunder. She does mm. very much so. I felt it. I will sip down that holy water. <laughs> Okay, so let's put a pin in that question. I'll get back yes. to you on that. Okay. <laughs> I do feel that this is for whoever is listening to this. It's going to be extremely entertaining, especially if they actually know what they, they're talking about. Yeah. They have some law background. They're going to sit know, back and laugh. be like, this poor cupcake, because this idiot ass is just blaring down with these big words and these yeah. debatey type things. Because also that's just my opinion. Like I don't yeah. even know for sure. Like no, some people are gonna laugh at me, which is fine. And some people will I'm probably okay. laugh at me because no. they're like, "This bitch, she thinks it's unconstitutional." No, don't stress. This is why we do this. It's fun. Exactly, we have fun, and we're anonymous, so Help nobody's me. gonna know. <laughs> Don't worry, girl. I'll give you Stockholm Syndrome. You'll love me again later. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> but on that note then, since we're talking about this, yes. let, let me just, can I just add a little bit of salt? Just, well, okay. don't, all, don't all cupcakes need salt? That is true. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Salted caramel. Can some judges or magistrates be more lenient than others? Or where do the parameters of the law meet the freedom of the judge or the magistrate? Okay, so apart from minimum sentence legislation, because that's what we work with, we have the minimum sentence that a magistrate or judge is allowed to give for each offense, whatever. So they cannot give less than that. Um, so apart from that, sentencing falls squarely on the decision of that presiding officer. No one can tell them what sentence to impose, no matter how much media attention a case has gotten. You have to give the minimum unless you find that there are exceptional circumstances. You do not get more lenient judges and magistrates. Some are just more inclined to acquit certain charges or alternatively, some are more inclined to sentence harder. So it's basically just boiling down to the fact that you have the minimum sentence. So say, if I remember correctly, the minimum sentence for murder is 15 years. But this is bad. Like, you did you did bad. I'll give you life. That's generally where, and we get into it as well at some point, where you're, so if it's a murder with a rape or a rape that led to a murder, it's life. Yeah. There's no deciding there. It's that. It's for the, I think it depends more for your singular offenses that it starts to get to, okay, does the sentence fit the crime? What exact, what's the minimum sentence? How do we go from there? So if your magistrate is a little bit more inclined to stick to the minimum, then you'll get a, and this falls back on one of your questions where you'll get sentenced a bit 
maybe a few years less than someone else where you might fall in front of a magistrate who is the harsh sentencing so they do not they are their repercussions and these are your repercussions and deal with it so it's all very open okay. to you. But then what happens when the law is not clear on a crime? For instance, cannibalism that me and B spoke about. Can the judge just wing it? So, no. To answer that, uh, the law must either be recognized by common law, which is murder. So it must either be recognized by that or statutory law, which is law that's created by acts of parliament. So, for example, domestic violence is now a crime because an act was created saying that certain things were criminal. You know, examples that were used were, say, fishing was never a crime 20, 30 years ago. But until we created an act that you can't fish in nature reserves. So now it's a crime there. So if there isn't an offense, then you wouldn't be able to have been charged in the first place. What you will be charged with will be for the murder, the possession of body parts, or the mutilation of a corpse. Okay, so they just go to closest thing relating mm. to whatever it is that you did. So what we jokingly spoke about was that you've got to make sure that you eat the body then before the police find you, because then there's no evidence, there's no crime. But what if they can catch you in the act of doing it, then you will be charged yeah no it's it's it can i have a super random question <laughs> yes so you can eat the entire body but obviously you're going to poop out some dna can they test your poop and then charge you with possession of body parts i don't think so because if you because your colon possessed it but do you possess <laughs> your poop <laughs> think about it this is these are the questions that while we were talking about it it was kind of breaking my brain because if you are if the, a cop walks in you murdering someone, you can get arrested for attempt, like attempted murder. If they walk in you standing over a dead body, you're arrested for murder. If they walk in on you chopping the body up, it's mutilation. If they walk in on you and you've got body parts, like in that episode where he went to the police station with the it's possession, it's possession of body parts, you can be charged in all of that. But if they walk in on you eating someone... So eating human it. flesh, but there's no body there's left. No, you ate the last little piece. There's that. That's when it becomes this very weird gray area where they need to then go. Okay, cool. You're in possession of body parts, Technically. but if you finish the food, you're not in possession of them anymore. You know, it's that like. It's it's so it break it breaked. It broke my brain because... Yeah, because can you then dial it down to how quickly can you eat? <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, you know, obviously someone had to have been murdered, but it also plays into what about those grave robbers? Like, if you steal a dead body, like, and you eat it, or is it okay? Like, these are the battles I had in my mind about this because my mind immediately went to, okay, cool, so if cannibalism's not necessarily classified as a law i can go dig up a grave slice off a piece of meat but then but if i bribe there and eat it there and nobody catches me then i did nothing what wrong. if i gave you permission to eat me after i died then you have permission to be in possession it's of my body parts doesn't 
Like this, this is such you a see. weird area of law that it's so. Oh, yeah, I get like, what oh. you're saying. But then, okay. So, like we said earlier in our previous part one, that we reference movies and Americas mm. a lot. Now, we have a judge, mm. but we do not have a jury. No. Now, what is the difference between those types of courts and or that situation? And which one do you think is better? Okay, so personally, the, or the difference, for instance, with the jury court is that your prosecution and defense will convince or argument and try and convince the jury of your innocence or guilt. Whereas here, the prosecution and defense convince the magistrate or judge of your innocence or guilt. Personally, and... I think this is widely accepted amongst legal professionals as well. It boils down to that logic of how can you convince 11 people or individuals, or how can you get them to understand legal consequences in the space of one trial? Mm. You know, we're creating a whole series based on this. We have... I mean, if I look at your questions, there are 10 pages that have all come out. And that's like, this is the tip of the iceberg. How can you convince 11 people to understand things like even just the word legalities and to understand guilt? And my entire legal def like dictionary has left me today. But you, it's so hard to, I know, even as a second year law student, now some of these concepts i still struggle to grasp now you want to try teach them to random people off the street i think what also um frustrates me with a jury is you mm. sit and go through years of education to understand what you're talking about now i must just sit and thumb suck and answer first of all second of all let's say we're dealing with okay um yeah okay let's say we're dealing with a crime that has something to do with a child me i don't have a child of my own mm. so i might feel a type of way sure and it will probably upset me sure but air sitting next to me who has a child of their own can interpret it completely differently yeah. because in, then you sit back and you think well in my head if that was my child how would i want it dealt with how do you then as a jury, how do you sit together and find that middle ground where you're, where you as a sit and go, this is what I want done. But me, I'm like, okay, this is how I think it should be done. But maybe I'm not looking at it because I don't have your perspective on it. I just feel like it just causes so much room for complication, mm. especially without knowledge of the law. Exactly. I mean, that's so many times, like, that's why they end up with hung juries or, like, trials or... Yeah have to be and isn't it that they all like it has to be a unanimous yeah. decision and the, how do you get a group of people to all if agree they're in a 50 50 split and they cannot come to a conclusion it's called a hung jury mm -hmm. and then they have to go back and start again mm -hmm. or you know if the jury yeah. comes back my biggest thing is if you look at and trust i'm going to give some shout outs here to our favorite podcast but there's an audio chuck podcast called um counter clock and she delves into all of these cases that have been 
it's she's amazing it just check it out it's the one case she delved into was about this guy who was pretend it was back in the 80s or 70s i think but he was accused of murdering this white girl he was an Ameri- african-american man and he lived in a very southern racist town and he was accused of murdering this white girl and got sent to prison it's like what almost 40 years later he was got off a couple of years or a year or two ago but it went into she went into that whole side of things about the jury and how they had racial bias and they had these prejudices and but all, exactly you know and they made their decision before the trial had even finished 100 percent, and that's like an issue still faced to this day i mean mm. you take the black lives matter movement which was what a handful of years ago not even there's still people out there dealing with issues with racism with homophobia mm. with transphobia whatever you want to call it that doesn't mean just because you're a racist piece of shit or you're homophobic that now someone's future and life yeah. gets to be determined by your shitty opinion. It's No, it's very scary. It's very scary for me I don't to know. think of random people off the street you, having my future in their hands. It just, to me, like, it doesn't make any sense. How can you say all of you who want to study law need to go to school for years, but the decision... I'm going to leave it up to those uneducated people who don't know what they're talking about. (laughs) One documentary I watched, it's it's on Netflix, it's called Ask Cold. Mm -hmm. And it was about this girl that is suspected of poisoning her friend. And in the trial, it was so interesting that their legal system, I think it was Malaysia... I might be Mm -hmm. mistaken. I might be so wrong. I can't remember now. But anyway, I was hung up on the Vietnamese coffee that was poisoned because I love myself some Vietnamese latte. And it just, anyway. So they, how their legal system works is they have three judges. Okay. And those three judges then go in and deliberate as a jury would. And then they have to come back. Kind of how our high court works. Which is amazing to me because it's not just one judge. It's three different opinions, which I think is what they want mm. within a jury, is the different the differences. Yeah, not all the power rests on one person. Yes. And I thought to myself, that is such a genius way of doing it because it's three judges, three people educated on the law, three people with different views. And I do think that that is maybe the best way mm. to get... Yeah. Uh, unless there was this one guy on TikTok that said he doesn't understand why he has to go for jury duty. Why can't jury duty be a job? And then you actually study for it and you are a juror. That was, like, <laughs> and I was that like, that's was a, a really good point. Yeah, like if that was the deal, I could completely get behind jury duty. 100%. Because you're basically taking a bunch of lawyers, yeah. but you're taught from both sides, yeah. you know. Whereas now you're wanting to take a bunch of people. I mean, I'm not going to walk into a hospital and walk into the operating rooms and start doing brain surgery. Like, I wouldn't know what the hell I'm doing. You see? So how the hell can I walk into a court and tell whether or not someone's innocent or not? Yeah, I'd have to listen to at least two episodes of 
South Africa Thunder Noodle to get yeah. some some law advice from Cupcake, you know. That's that's where you have like all your podcasts on like yes. at the ready. Yes. Before you go for jury duty, you must listen to these podcasts. Yes. <laughs> now on to the next question is in South Africa it takes from what I see so long for a trial to start. And cases it feels like it takes forever. Especially when I'm researching cases uh. and I see that the the verdict was delivered in 2018, but the case happened in 2014 and it blows my mind. And I'm like, how does it take that long? So what determines the length of a case and why the fuck does it take so long? I feel like if we could get you in front of the powers that be, our system would run better. <laughs> Just whip everyone into shape. <laughs> Someone will be like, I have the answer. S will be like, no, the fuck you don't. Sit your ass Sit down. down. <laughs> Take a number. Get in line. Wait your motherfucking turn. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Can I tell you something? Okay, so the length of a case is often determined by what they place on dispute. And the complexity of the case, obviously. Yeah. Um, you can get a straightforward assault case that can take an hour. It uh, all depends on what is placed on dispute. So what the defense or prosecution wants to say, no, that's wrong, or no, they want... The prostitution. <laughs> <laughs> well, that too, but... <laughs> My bad. So they they are they're not questioning the chain of evidence, you know that they're accepting. Okay, they're not arguing anything. So th it also depends on how much documentary evidence there is as well. So what what is the accused admitting um, that's not placed on dispute? Uh, there's something if there's something in the chain of evidence. So the chain of evidence would be, say, for instance, coroner goes and fetches the dead body, ambulance or puts it in the ambulance, takes it to the hospital, nurse, whoever signs it off, receives the body, hands it off to the mortuary assistant. That's Everyone has to sign a form. So if any evidence gets passed on, the person receiving it has to sign a form. So if there might be a problem in determining something, so for instance with the dead body, if there is a chink in the chain, by the time the body gets to the autopsy and cause of death is trying to be determined, that could be put in dispute if there's a chink in the chain. So did they die of these things? Is the evidence telling me the truth or did something happen that messed it up and now I'm getting the wrong message? So that's also something that could horribly delay a trial. So what often happens in trial if somebody is all out of defenses, they may attack one of these things. Someone, also, someone else may admit to everything and want to move on to the facts. So in our lawyer friend's opinion um, and experience, a person with a genuine defense that wants to get straight to the facts, they won't dispute any of like, in Afrikaans there's a word and I love using it, it's kakis. They won't dispute those bric-a-brac nonsense like system errors. Then you get cases where people change legal representatives uh, or witnesses are sick or become unavailable. The judge or magistrate themselves might become unavailable. 
should something happen to them as well, like say a magistrate dies, those cases have to then start right from the beginning with a new magistrate. So you start from fresh if something happens to the, your previous magistrate. So there's a lot of factors that influence the length of a trial. But years, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at it this way. If we're talking DNA evidence, the minimum amount of years that you're waiting for DNA evidence is 18 months. And the reason for that is? is backlogs. Because there are only two labs in South Africa that do, that have the equipment, that have everything they need to be considered as evidence. So they have to do everything. And they do the drunk driving tests. To be fair, as a country that can't even supply a power 24-7, why am I not surprised, you know? <laughs> no, that was my answer as well. So the actual answer is just, it isn't supposed to take that long. It's just that the systems aren't working properly. Mm. So everything is being delayed. Like I said, though, if you get a straightforward case, say you get Pity and Sunny that went out on Saturday night and got drunk yeah. and beat each other up and Pity is in the hospital and they are coming for Sunny. He goes into the magistrate's court, he admits to everything he says, yes, whatever, give me whatever, you know, convict me. I'm I'm guilty. It can take an hour. Like, that's what was meant with that. Let's be real. How many cases are like that? I don't know. I don't on, know. That, <laughs> on that note, I have a random question. That whole thing of if you plead guilty or you plead not guilty, does how does that determine... The sentence, because you get plea deals, again, I'm basing off of mm. movies and stuff. Is that a thing we do in South Africa, first of all? And second of all, with plea deals, why just because I tell the truth, does that mean I get a lesser sentence than if I was like, no, nah, I didn't do it, and then I got proven I was wrong. So you're telling me just because I was honest, uh, you can get less, but just because I'm an idiot, now you're going you're gonna to be stuck there longer. I don't understand. That's not fair. Your, your passion was amazing there. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me angry. So as much to my knowledge, and if I think of the stuff that even I've been through, the information I've received going through these questions, we don't do plea deals. As far as I'm aware, I will, must, must confirm with that. Um, we are going to be doing these rounds of questions again. So... I'll get it done uh, because it doesn't make sense to me that we would do it considering if you look at how in, if you say turn state witness in that sense of you decide, okay, you come to, you want to now tell the prosecution everything, A to B, your involvement of everything, you're fine. Like you, the court can declare you, I can't remember the word for it. Um, but you can be declared a specific type of witness and then you can't be tried for it. But then you turn state witness. But the court... That's not fair. The court has to declare you this witness. So you have to literally admit from when you stuck your finger up your nose yeah. in the car on the way to the murder to what you did. If you kicked his foot, you have to tell him that you kicked his foot. If you stabbed his eye out, you have to tell them... You have to admit to everything. But then you're basically admitting it just to 
go off scot But free. that's why not everyone does this because it doesn't necessarily mean the court will declare you. But that's just if there's a bigger fish to fry. Yeah. So so you're just the chips. Yeah. You're the they you're want- just the chips. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, but in comparison to cases being closed mm. versus cases coming in, because these cases are taking so long to be closed, I'm imagining that it's piling up the new ones. What is that comparison? So when it comes to closing a case, it can be one of three things. A case can be withdrawn by the state. So this actually reminded, something we spoke about earlier made me think of this. So the state will withdraw a case if they want to investigate it further, say new evidence has come to light or something's happened. It can be re-enrolled then so they can withdraw it and go okay no we're not going to try him now it's fine and then six months later come back with like bam evidence and put him on trial again for it or it can be withdrawn because they feel they don't have a case so they'll look at the evidence and they're like you know it's that logic of if you've been acquitted you can't be tried with it again so are they willing to risk it or alternatively, the case can be struck off the roll. So this is where there's been an inquiry into delays and the magistrate or judge strikes it off the roll because it's, it's too messy now. So it's not going to be put in the roll. Or alternatively, the person is acquitted. So he can never be charged with that crime again. Or he's been convicted. Mm. So those are the ways that a, course, a, a case will be taken off the roll. So there are far more cases being removed from the role in certain courts, but in other courts there are extensive delays and there are more fresh cases coming in. Mm. So on average across the country, there are more fresh cases coming in than what they are being disposed of. What? Yes. Summon Varushka. I know. <laughs> She's got a look in her eye that she gets. Like there's so a specific look. on top of not having enough space for our criminals mm-hmm. and sending them home early and delaying cases because the systems in place aren't functioning properly on top of all of that we are also trying to what is that Afrikaans saying push a large object through a very small hole with the amount of cases because while all this is happening the new cases aren't just piling up but older cases are getting pushed back because of maybe a new case so it's just getting worse getting worse gradually without the systems getting better Mm. So so even within the dysfunctionality of all of this we are not even upkeeping to be able to handle the amount of cases that are coming in. So this question, I feel like you have to look at with in conjunction with the question about what makes cases take so long. And, you know, it, it's not a question alone because there are so many factors that influence the length of a trial. So like we said earlier, something being disputed magistrates not being there witnesses not rocking up you know a lot of the time 
and he said this was that a lot of cases are postponed because the witnesses don't rock up and that's nobody's fault that's a, everyone's there but their witnesses just don't rock up so they can't go to trial things like if load shedding now in South Africa no they can't they can't have court while it's load shedding it's there are so many factors that play an influence in this delay that it's not just one thing it's kind of like the delay is the container and all the influences are your hundreds and thousands. They are in there. But there are just so many of them. Because they need, think about it, you need recording devices. Cases need to be recorded. You know, it's microphones need to be on. Translators need to be, you can't have an interpreter screaming out in court what the judge is saying or what the magistrate is saying to the accused in Sutu or Hosa or any other language. So there's there are so many influences. So this is why I say like this question is not a standalone question. You have to kind of think with think of it with all these things in mind and with everything we've spoken about in mind as well. <laughs> She's coming for me. <laughs> what I'm hearing is that it's not working because other things aren't working and that is why it's not working. Okay. Right? Love that. Does it, it it's I'm trying to I'm trying to <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm taming myself. I am controlling the beast. Um it it's not even the case of I keep <laughs> thinking about when if you're a kid and you do something wrong mm. and you get into trouble and you start explaining oh but I did this right and I did this right and I did this right so why am I in trouble now for this one thing you know I did yeah. this one thing wrong where this entire explanation to me is almost the opposite like hey we did this one thing sort of kind of right but we're doing the rest of it all wrong. And all I can feel right now is that this entire system is hanging on a few individuals working themselves to the bone to keep it from imploding. And the rest of them are just winging it. Mm. And what do we do when... The hard-working ones are just not enough anymore. I mean, it's because you cannot keep piling and piling on mm. to so an already strained system. I look at this in the sense of South Africa as a whole, our government, our everything is struggling at this moment. It's like you say, hanging on by a thread. So I look at this and I go... We have lost good magistrates, flippin' amazing magistrates because of the way offices are run, office politics, stupid things. Because someone has a power trip and cannot get over it because these people become chief or they become head of office and suddenly they think they are 
the the gift to the justice system. So we've lost some good people. But I look at this and I go, something like load shedding, we're all facing. It would be weird if it wasn't affecting these officers as well. You know, it's, it's, it's that a is very not simplified view of it. Yeah, to me it feels like you're polishing a turd. Mm. No, but it, it, you, because are. you are. It's just because everything else is shit does not mean it's okay for this to be shit as well. Yeah, but it's, it's so the way I see it as well is funding is a big thing. So you're going to go out and buy every single court in every single, all over South Africa, from the top to the bottom, from the left to the right. Are you going to go buy them all the generator? Like, do we think that'll get past Parliament? You know, that Solar panels. Like. See, now you're going into the thing where it, you're, I feel like you're heading towards explaining to me that this isn't fixable. (laughs) You know what the thing is? <laughs> Which is not what I want to hear. I feel like in my heart of hearts, <laughs> I want it to be fixable because like I've said before, it's a beautiful system on paper. It We have an amazing, amazing system on paper. Also, I'm not, I was not born yesterday. I realized that no legal system, no government system anyway is perfect. Yeah. But... I like to hope that South Africa has a chance. Like, and I look at, the, this isn't even the thing of we can't do anything now as citizens, but what we can do is we can go vote. You know, we can go vote out the powers that have messed everything up and vote in new powers that could potentially clean up. And I'm not saying... Is that, do you think that that is right now our only... I don't want to say it like this, but almost our only hope because there is literally nothing else in place to better it. There's literally nobody going, okay, listen, Mm. I'll sponsor one generator for one court. But what if that person ends up in that court? See, these are the things. Okay, let's say, for instance, we pull our money the three of us. We pull our money. We buy the generator for the hard court. No, I'm yeah. not talking about the community doing anything. I mean, is, oh, is mean the actual government, people government. is the actual people in control? Do they even have anything saying that this is going to become better, or is there literally nothing? And the only thing we can hope for is new people in power, because maybe they will notice that this is going to be a fuck up. Well, that that I do not have an answer for you, because I don't know. My logic just says vote. I regret asking you all of my questions. Here comes Varushka. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss, guys. Ignorance is bliss. I was about to say, I'm so hurt now. <laughs> Ignorance is bliss. No, it is. It is, honestly. Ignorance is bliss, especially here. The less you know, the happier you are. Because once you start digging in, it's, ra- it's a rabbit hole. When you go down these roads and you go down to the very core of our systems... And you see the what they could be, it'll just upset you even more. And that is part two. I feel like we need a sad exit now. Yeah, I'm gonna go get us a sad song. <laughs> a sad song. It's a sad, sad, sad situation. Sad song. Yeah. Thank you though. You're Thank you for putting welcome. up 
with not just SMB, but with Verushka. Thank you for not murdering not me. Not just SMB, but BS2. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for not making me a statistic. <laughs> We'll get there, girl. We'll get there. <laughs> and we will we will we'll see you next week with some more hard hitting questions. Because I might I'm not gonna s I don't wanna say I'm leaving this interview disappointed because that is I don't feel like that explains it. In a way, I am inspired for more questions. Mm-hmm. I am disappointed that this is what you are given to work with Mm. as a person working within our law system. That kind of breaks my heart because I feel that the system isn't giving you the tools or the work or whatever to actually give me the answer you want to give me. Mm. I can feel that because I understand. I can feel your fire of wanting to fight for how great this could be. Yeah. I see that. And I'm coming here and I'm just pissing all over your show. <laughs> and I'm so okay. I'm so sorry it's for okay. that. I have an umbrella. So okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Apologies first. And also thank you for, for sitting through this. And hopefully being willing to coming back next week for some more questions. We investigate true crime together and we fight yeah, together. And we fight That's together. What we do. And hey, maybe maybe we think of something in some, maybe maybe this whole thing inspires you to become the change we need. Be the change. Yes. Cupcake is bringing thunder. <laughs> Let's dethrone Varushka here, guys, please. That's a bloof. <laughs> but you must have a lovely week. Thank you, Cupcake. Thank you, Bee. Bye.